they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 24th of September. Terry will be right back in the studio. He just finished the Terry and Jesse show, so he's running. There's always, always lots going on. So uh, we want to begin. It's, it's 12 o'clock noon, so let's begin with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I just want to make a comment here. As I was praying that prayer, um, you know, it's funny. In the Angelus, it says, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And it's funny, you know, when we pray our prayers, sometimes we say them rapidly and, in, and we don't really distinguish the words or things. And there are people who mistakenly think that the Blessed Virgin Mary was virginally conceived in her <laughs> mother's womb. No, Mary was not conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary conceived Jesus in her womb by the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it, 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 I remember, you know, you're teaching little kids prayers, you know, and it's like, they say, Hail Mary full of grapes. <laughs> you know, and you're like, I remember my mother one time, she was teaching my, nie- my nephews and they were, mm-hmm. I don't know, they were under five years old and she was trying to teach them some prayers and they're trying, you know, it's all, they're devout and whatever, but what they were saying, my sisters and I were laughing and my mother said, well, get out of this room. <laughs> How am I supposed to teach them? This isn't an entertainment. They're learning. <laughs> so funny. be careful how you say your prayers. Do enunciate the words. And especially when you're working with little children, be very clear. Cause, and I did have this. I actually, I was in a Bible study with a group one time and this woman said, oh, but the, the blessed Virgin Mary was, was virginally conceived by her mother, Anne. And I'm like, no, no. The only virginal conception was the conception of Jesus in the womb of the blessed mother. So, yeah, it's not, you know, Mary wasn't conceived by the Holy Ghost. Mary conceived by the Holy Ghost. She conceived Mm -hmm. Jesus. She conceived the Son of God. Right. Oops. That's all right. Something just fell off the desk. I'm moving books around. Uh Anyway, so we'll get to today's, um, today's gospel reading here. 
And we're, we're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, 18 through 22. And what does Luke tell us here? Once, 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 once when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter said in reply, the Christ of God. He rebuked them and directed them not to tell anyone. He said, the son of man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And this this beautiful gospel, okay, Jesus is praying in solitude and his disciples are with him. Number one, by his action, Jesus tells us we have to pray. This is the son of God made man. And he went away, even from his apostles at times, to spend entire nights in prayer with his father. We need this personal communion relationship with God where we speak to him. Hey, but we got to stop talking long enough for him to speak to us also. Mm -hmm. And that's why we read the scriptures because the scripture is God's holy word. And through it, he speaks to us. So he speaks to us in his word. So they're praying there. And Jesus, after he's finished praying, says, who do the crowds say that I am? And Bishop, Bishop Sheen points out, this is the Gallup poll. You know, what is everybody else saying? You know, and what do they got? Oh, well, we got we got Elijah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets of, of old has arisen. So you, you, whatever, they don't know, you know. And so then Jesus, now Jesus is talking to the 12, his apostles. Who do you say that I am? Imagine for a moment that you're there and there's this pregnant silence. And they're all kind of, Yeah, who do we say you are? And Peter breaks the silence. Peter. And he says, you are the Christ of God. Now, the Christ of God means the anointed one of God. But remember, priests, prophets, and kings were all anointed in the Old Testament. So he's acknowledging that Jesus Christ is anointed. Okay? But then Jesus tells them not to tell anyone. He rebukes them and directs them they're not to tell anyone. Why? Well, um, you know, the Jews of that day had an idea of what the Messiah was going to be. And they were expecting a political leader, someone who was going to deliver them from the domination of Rome and make them kings of the world. They were going to be on top. You know, Mm -hmm. it's king on the hill, and who's going to be on the top of the hill? The Messiah is going to come, and he's going to throw all the Romans down, and we get to be king on the hill again. And But Jesus has a different view. What does Jesus tell them? He says, the son of man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, all the leaders of the Jewish people. These are the leaders that God had picked to lead his people, the priests, the elders, the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Do you think you will find salvation by studying the words of Scripture? Well, the elders, the priests, and the scribes of Jesus' time, most of them rejected the Messiah. Remember, 
you know, we sometimes people think faith alone, faith alone. Well, remember what Jesus said about Satan. He believes and he trembles. Mm. We have to have charity and we have to have a certain humility and willingness to learn from God. And what is God teaching us? Well, this is a hard saying. This is a hard saying. Why? Because Jesus is saying he's prophesying his passion and death in order to help his disciples to believe in him. It also showed that he was freely accepting these sufferings he would undergo. Now, remember, when he first prophesied this in, in another gospel, this Peter says, oh, no, Lord, this can't happen to you. And again, that was their view of the Messiah. The Messiah is not going to have to suffer. After all, if we do what God wants us to do, God's, we're going to be blessed, and we're going to have money, and we're going to have power, and we're going to have wealth, and we're going to be on top of the mm-hmm. world. And no, they weren't understanding God's ways. Yeah. And Jesus has to rebuke him. So Christ did not seek to be glorified. He chose to come without glory in order to undergo suffering. And you, you who have been born without glory, do you wish to be glorified? The route you must take is the one Christ took. This means recognizing him, and it means imitating him both in his ignominy and in his good repute, both in his suffering and his practice of virtue and his upright life. Jesus Christ never sinned. He never sinned. Thus, you will glory in the cross, which was his path to glory. The cross was the Lord's path to glory. At the Last Supper, he says, now has the Son of Man been glorified, and God will be glorified in him. That's after Judas left the Last Supper to betray him and sell him for 30 pieces of silver. Glorified in the cross? Yeah. That that was what Paul told us, and that's what he did. And therefore, he glorified, Paul writes, he glorified Far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Mm. Jesus Christ. Galatians 6.14. I believe he goes on to say in that passage, through which I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. And that quote was from St. Ambrose. And he's, he's talking about this passage in scripture. So are we willing to follow Christ to the cross? And this is a big question in our day. You know, we're living as if we want to live on this earth forever and we should be afraid of getting sick or we should be afraid of dying or we should be afraid of this or that. You know, people, as Christians, we try to alleviate the sufferings of others because Jesus did that. And we do the best best of our ability. But I can't save anybody and I can't cure disease and make it go away. But I can fight for the rights of another person whose rights are being trampled on. If a sick person is being given medicine that's going to kill them, I can go to the doctors and say, no, you need to stop it. And do doctors give medicines that kill people? Yes, they do. Okay. Wake up and hear the birds sing. We live in a world where our doctors are paid to kill innocent unborn children in the womb, where they're paid to prescribe contraceptives that cause abort, abortifacient, but also cause serious illness in women who take them. Anyway, we want to come back with more from the Bible with the Barbers and and how should we be living this gospel in our life today? That's the big question. We'll be back with more Bible with the Barbers.
Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I wanted to mention something that we talked an hour earlier with the good doctor about the COVID-19 vaccines. We have a website called Red Balloon Soaring that is giving you job opportunities where employers aren't requiring uh, vaccination. So I just wanted to get that out to people. I've been getting lots of calls about it. Redballoonsoaring.com. Go to that website if you're looking for work where you can work for an employer that doesn't require the uh, vaccine. Mary's going to finish a thought, but one of the things we wanted to set up is uh, here we talk about a world biblical view and uh, we have this little sheet of paper that we put together called a biblical evidence for Catholics. So we thought we could approach biblical questions, whether it's sola scriptura, you know, the Bible alone, or on the Eucharist, or purgatory, all these things that many times you get asked questions at work about that. So uh, that's something that we're going to get to. But Manic, um, Mary, you wanted to finish up your thought from the last segment. Just that the, the reality that we need to defend the defenseless. And mm-hmm. here in our in our world right now, mm-hmm. the, the greatest, remember that the sin against the innocent, the, the sin against mm-hmm. Abel, Abel was innocent and he was killed by his brother. So when little innocent children are murdered in the womb through abortion or through chemicals, through contraceptives or now chemical abortions, um, their blood cries out to God for vengeance. We need to do penance and we need to... Um, stop this and and it's interesting because we had a question you know from a radio station about whether or not the church approves these vaccines well please people go and read um dignitatis persona 2008 it's the most magisterial document on the question of vaccines Mm -hmm. that are abortion derived and here's the reality you cannot use it's not it's not licit the church doesn't approve the use of abortion-derived vaccines, okay? She doesn't approve it. What she says is that if there is no other treatment, okay, if there's absolutely no other treatment, um, where the danger is real, in other words, you have some disease that really is going to kill um, a third of your population, a, a half of your population, um, the safety of children is threatened, and, and then she goes on to say that, that this can only be on a temporary basis. So people are challenging exactly. the Terry and Jesse show for, for being against the vaccine. It, first of all, it's not a, you know, the COVID shot is not a vaccine. It's a gene therapy. But that aside, the reality is the church doesn't approve the use of abortion-derived vaccines she, or abortion-derived pharmaceuticals. She can't because you can never do an evil so that good will come of it. Never. You can't do evil so that good will come of it. That's the solid moral principle on which this is founded. So the church says, well, on a temporary basis, you can use these vaccines or pharmaceuticals if there's no other choice where there is real danger Mm -hmm. and the safety of children is, is at stake. But then we might... She goes on to say, you have to put pressure on your governments, your pharmaceutical companies, and your researchers to find ethically acceptable alternatives. And furthermore, no one can be compelled to receive these. 
vaccines or medicines. All right. So again, what does the church teach? Let's be honest. And what was it uh, the doctor, good doctor was saying at the end of the show about Jesus before Pilate and truth? Where is truth? Are we going to be, are we going to be honest and we're going to tell the truth? Or are we just going to go along with a narrative that's lying to us? And in the meantime, little babies keep being killed. And then they say, oh, well, but it's for the good of others. You see, we're killing these babies so that we can save other people. Mm-hmm. That you can't do an evil so that good can come of it. Right. So I don't care. You know, I don't care what bishops seem to have approved it. I don't care what authority in the church. And again, we mentioned this last week. Yeah. The church is not infallible in matters of science and medicine. Okay? She's not. Now, the faith and morals, but she's given us the moral principle, and that is you can never do an evil so that good will come of it. So you cannot take the tissue of an aborted baby and use it because it's not good. It's evil. You already have corrupted whatever end you might come to has already been corrupted because you killed an innocent child. All right? And the church doesn't approve... She doesn't approve abortion-tainted vaccine, abortion-derived vaccines. She says that you may use them temporarily if there really is no other choice. And just a quick note, the good doctor in our show before this show made it very, very clear that children, as it said, are not affected poorly. He made a comment about New Jersey for the whole year, 2020, nine children died um and it was from the flu you know because they had other issues um where they were sick well, yeah they were sick they had some other some other comorbidity going yeah, on exactly and so healthy children are not he just said it on our show that this idea of wearing masks for kids no no it's a, it's it's really bad for their health so if we we begin to look at this when this document was written. We first thought that COVID nineteen was going to kill everybody. Remember how we were all scared about that, and oh, everybody's going to die from it. Right, that was the narrative. Millions and millions of Americans are going to die. Yeah, this is going to be worse than the, the flu the of, of nineteen twenty. Yeah. This is going to be worse than the plague. Yeah. This is, and the reality is, is no, is ninety nine point five percent of people who got the flu, who got COVID nineteen, recovered from it, and, and yeah, and you know, Mary also. It said in the document it can't be treated with you know any other way except the vaccine. That's not the case. That's not the case. And that's we have thousands of doctors who have treated thousands of patients successfully, including patients with comorbidities. Right. And they didn't lose the patients. Dr. Zelenko has lost out of out of seven thousand patients treated through his office. He only lost three. That's but it. those three didn't come in early. They came in very late and they were very sick by the time they got to him. Dr. Armstrong down in um, down in uh, Texas City, the county of Galveston, he had an old folks home where he had 58 patients and old old people with comorbidities infected with COVID-19. Yeah. He treated them all aggressively early and with with the nutrition and then the Z-packs for any secondary infections. <clears throat> he only lost one out of 58. In addition to the Not 58 bad. old people he had, he had 23 healthcare workers. He didn't lose any of them that yeah. got infected and he didn't lose any of them. So it, again... <clears throat> We know that this can be treated in other ways. And unfortunately, right now, again, um, remdesivir is being pushed by um, the CDC and our government. And unfortunately, God have mercy on his soul, Dr. Tony Fauci. Well, remdesivir will kill you. 
30% of the people in the, zinc, in the Zika virus trial who got remdesivir died from the blood clots mm. that they got as a result of having received remdesivir. So remdesivir is a killer. They had to abandon it. And Dr. Tony Fauci was touting it as this is the great answer. Well, people, Dr. Tony Fauci is not your savior. No. And he's a liar. He, he's already, he lied last year, and now he's lying again. And, he, and the hospitals right now are using remdesivir, and it's causing blood clots in patients. And just a quick note about Where's the, good, the truth yeah, yeah. about the good doctor. Our doctor, French, made the point. When Fauci was asked the question about natural immunity, yeah, uh, the, our doctor mentioned 100 million people have recovered from COVID in America. Now, nobody talks about that, man. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. So we just did today. Right. So we have a lot of natural immunity going on. And it's 20 times stronger yeah. than any other vaccine that you can get. Right. So time out. Um, common sense says we've got herd immunity. Right. And the deal is I saw that that vid- I saw that news clip with Dr. Fauci when he was asked the question about natural immunity. Yeah. And he said, oh, oh, we don't. oh, but but we don't know how long it will last. Yeah. <laughs> well, a good doctor said if you read your immunology books, it lasts a lifetime on all others. So, I mean, why is this different? And Mary, a biblical worldview will not have us frightened by this exactly See, that that's the key right the, the world right now is telling us be scared of this because you're going to die from it right and, and we don't need to be scared we don't need to be scared of death exactly. but at the same time we don't need to support the doctors killing people like dr fauci telling doctors to prescribe something that has killed 30 percent of the people it was given to tragic so we need to we need to fight we need to fight for the vulnerable we need to yep. fight and this is a biblical worldview we can't just lay down and say, oh, well, it is what it is. Everybody's going to die someday and I can't do anything. No, number one, we can. You may not be able to get out there and hire a lawyer. You may not be a lawyer who can go in there and, and stop a hospital from killing somebody who's in danger of dying right now today because of the fact that they're not treating the patient correctly. But you can pray. You can get down on your knees. You can shut the TV off. Stop listening to Dr. Tony Fauci and the United States government. You can get, get down on your knees and pray. You can go make visits to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. For anyone who received the shot and you feel like you need to make reparations, go ahead and go to church and pray. Spend time with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Go to Mass daily if you can. If, you're, if the duties of your state and life allow that, go to Mass daily. Pray your rosary every day. Pray the Chaplet of Mercy and pray it for those who are suffering from this illness, that, that the angels will bring this, this, these graces to their side. And, and beg God to give us doctors who will stand against the lies of our times because we live in a culture of death and we need to fight that culture of death with the truth and jesus christ is the truth well said that's very biblical and you know we try to fight the abortion laws for 48 years you know millions of babies with 60 million babies have died uh how many hundreds of thousands of people have died in the last year and a half when it really wasn't necessary if they would have been treated with uh, uh, medicine that was available and it was low cost. But, you know, I have to say this, and this is just my take on it, Mary, follow the money. There was no money to be made on uh, <laughs> vitamin C medicine. and zinc yeah, and vitamin and D that. No, and ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And, and so this is the, the problem we're having. And it's a money thing, I think. And if we would... Uh, Defend those people who died 
from COVID because of the folks that they didn't get the right medicine, I think we have to have the Nuremberg trial number 2.0. Yeah. And I really mean that. That's a, a strong statement. Right. But it, it's the truth. We have to, what about all these grandmas and grandpas that died when they didn't need to die because they could have given them medicine? Right. And what about, and, and the people who died because they couldn't get treatment because they didn't have COVID? Yeah. You know, there were, there were thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of people who died last year because they couldn't get treatment for their disease because they didn't have COVID. Right. Because, oh, our hospitals are going to be overrun with COVID patients, so we have to leave everything freed up for that. And, and it was all a lie. And again, yeah. the devil was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So you have this reality that lying and killing go together. But also, the scriptures tell us that the desire for money is the root of all evil. Not well, money itself, but the desire for it. So those people who are pursuing the pharmaceuticals because they're making, by the way, they're making a lot of money. It's let not me thousands give you the of, exact numbers. Yeah. Pfizer made $19 billion in the second quarter of this year. Did you hear that? Not $19 million. $19 billion. Can I put it into $211 million per day? Now, Whoa. That is the following of the money. Now, remember, some know the risk of the jab our blood clots, other issues. Luckily for them, you know, they can be treated, okay, for blood clots. But there's all kinds of other issues. We'll be right back. Just ran out of time. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Now we're talking about biblical evidence for the Catholic faith. Remember, 1 Peter says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for your hope that is in you. And so the first one we're covering, Mary Danielle, is Scripture alone. What does the Bible have to say about Scripture alone? And that's an interesting question. What does the Scripture have to say about Scripture alone? Mm -hmm. Well, in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John, St. John writes, There are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Mm. So what is he saying? John is not claiming that his gospel tells you everything that Jesus did. Okay? But he's saying his gospel is accurate. This is, this is an historical account. Mm. Okay? It's not comprehensive. It's not exhaustive. But he's given enough information about the life and ministry of Jesus to elicit faith from the readers. That's what he's trying to do, elicit faith, that we will follow Christ. And he, he said something very similar in John 20, verse 30. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Mm. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So we believe and we have life in his name when we fall in love with him. That's it. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So John's stated purpose, his stated purpose is he's written the fourth gospel as a history and as a witness in the hope that the factual portrayal of Christ's life will not just inform the reader, but challenge mm. them to accept Jesus's claims with true faith. Okay, so we have to follow the Lord. So everything that Jesus said and did isn't in the scriptures. The Bible says. That's what the scriptures say. 
well, is there anywhere else in the New Testament that makes us wonder, well, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe, still, it's, it's enough. Well, it's enough in the sense that, that it's good. You know, the scriptures are all God's word, yes. But it's, it's, not, it's not, how do you say that? It's not the only thing that's God's word. What, it, what was it St. Paul wrote in Thessalonians? He says in 2 Thessalonians, he says, um, So then, brother, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught us, either taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. So St. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, everything that I'm teaching isn't written down. I've given you things, oral traditions, and you have to stand fast and firm in those. And he writes to Timothy. Now, again, sometimes people question, you know, the, the structure of the early church. Well, Paul writes to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, he says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So Timothy, Paul laid his hands on Timothy and he ordained him a priest and a bishop mm -hmm. for Ephesus. He's in, Timothy's in Ephesus. And Paul, he's telling Timothy that his highest duty, his, biggest, his greatest responsibility is to preserve the gospel that he was given by word of mouth or in writing, by word of mouth or in writing, from corruption to defend it from attack and to pass it along complete and intact to his successors. So Paul received the gospel from Christ. And he mm -hmm. says that Paul himself says that after his conversion, he said that the Lord himself taught him now after that, but he takes that gospel that he heard from Jesus himself in mystical revelation. He takes it to the God, to the church in Jerusalem, to Peter mm. and James and John. And he asked them, Am I preaching correctly? He wanted to make sure he was preaching correctly, that he had gotten it right. So Paul himself, who received this, the, the, the gospel from Jesus through a, through a tremendous you know, mystical revelation, himself goes to the church, Peter, the head of the church, that Jesus made head of the church. And we can, we'll deal with that issue on another, mm -hmm. another. But right now we're talking about sola scriptura. Is it, is it the scriptures alone? Do the scriptures ever you know, um, teach that. Well, then again to Timothy, in the first letter of Timothy, in chapter six, he says, oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Okay, and what is it? What is it that was entrusted to Timothy? Okay, the faith that Timothy holds and teaches is a sacred trust given to him for safekeeping. Mm -hmm. The duty to preserve it intact is all the more important in places such as Ephesus where counterfeit doctrines are vying for the hearts and minds of the local believers. Timothy is battling error mm. and heresy. What is entrusted to you is not what you have discovered. It is what you have received. It's not what you have thought up for yourself. It is a matter not of ingenuity, but of doctrine not of personal opinion, but of public tradition. You are not the author, but the guardian. Again, the church is not the author of the deposit of faith. She's its guardian. 
So preserve inviolate and undamage the trust of the Catholic faith. That was St. Vincent Lawrence on his commentary on this particular um, passage. That Again, Timothy didn't make up the faith. It's not a matter of innovation or cleverly concocted myths or doctrines. As uh, the second letter of Peter, remember Peter's talking sure. about the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's not by way of cleverly concocted myths that we handed on to you this revelation we have when we saw Jesus on the mountain. Remember, they saw the transfiguration. And Peter's saying, it's, it's not a matter of, of uh, cleverly concocted myths. We didn't concoct this. It was given to us. And we're giving it to you. Okay? So in, that's in Second Peter 1, verses for, starting with verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's referring to the transfiguration Mm. where they saw Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah about his exodus that was going to take place in Jerusalem. And Peter, James, and John saw this. They were eyewitnesses. And this is what they're passing on. It's not cleverly concocted myths. It's what we were given. And then, you know, Peter... Peter, in Peter's letter, he also says, you know, scripture, the, the prophecies in scriptures aren't a matter, matter of personal interpretation. And again, this is in 2 Peter. Classic. 1 and verse 20. Mm-hmm. First of all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Because no prophecy came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Well, there are some people who say, you know, well, anybody who has the Holy Spirit then can interpret it. Well, what do we have here? The spirit who inspired the prophecies of the Old Testament is also capable capable of interpreting them. By contrast, merely human intelligence can never ascertain their proper meaning without the divine assistance of the spirit. The ramifications of this teaching are implied rather than stated. Okay, Peter's not stating it directly, but he's implying something. Peter does not identify those who are authorized to give correct interpretation of Scripture, not here in this context. But some contend that every, and so some contend that every believer who possesses the Spirit is automatically qualified for the task. But no such teaching is found in the New Testament. On the contrary, we learn from other passages that the Spirit guides the church into all truth through her apostolic leaders and their successors. See the Gospel of John 14.26 and 16.13, who serve as teachers and guardians of the faith. Guardians of the faith. Remember 1 Timothy 6.20 and 2 Timothy 1.14 and 2.2. This explains why Peter, being an apostle, expects readers to accept his teaching on scripture as authoritative and reliable, whereas the false teachers among them are denounced for twisting the meaning of the gospel. And we have that in Acts of the Apostles. Remember Philip and the uh, Ethiopian the classic, eunuch? Yeah, on the and carriage. The, the Ethiopian eunuch is driving along and he's reading the prophet Isaiah and, and Philip is told by the Holy Spirit, catch up to that carriage. And so Philip catches up to the, the chariot and he, he asks the Ethiopian <laughs> eunuch, great. do you understand what you're reading? And what does the Ethiopian eunuch says? Of course I do. Every man can read this and understand it. It's so <laughs> clear. The Ethiopian eunuch says to Philip, 
How can I? Unless someone tells me what it means. And this is in the Acts of the Apostles. It's right in the Bible. Chapter 8. Yep. And verses 26 and following. Okay? And so he catches up. And, and he, so Philip ran to him and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I unless one guides me? We need someone to guide us in reading the scriptures. And Mary, let me jump in and just say, this is a classic uh, scripture verse I give to my Protestant brothers. Because before uh, the Reformation, we all always look to the church to read the Bible and to interpret the Bible. The fruit of sola scriptura is 40,000 denominations. Everybody gets to decide for themselves. Say, oh, I'm, I'm a Bible-thumping Christian. Okay, so everybody interprets the Bible their own way, and you get all these different denominations. So this is why it's important as Catholics to understand that, you know, it's Holy Mother the Church who gave us this book, this Bible. Right. We, the only reason we know that we're reading God's Word is because the Holy Catholic Church put its stamp of approval when they put the list what we call the canon of Scripture. And so I just think it's so beautiful that you're laying out these scripture verses because when they when you talk to your friends or relatives who aren't Catholic, they're going, wait a minute, I didn't see that in the Bible because that's what they tell me. That, that you, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> Check it out. And, and that's why this out. is such an important topic, yeah. Sola Scriptura, because if you, I mean, I always like to say, where in the Bible does it say Bible alone? Right. And they can't tell you that. It doesn't. It doesn't no. say that anywhere. Mary, we're going to come right back. I want to remind everybody uh, that if they'd like to make a donation to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, go to vmpr.org uh, to make a secure donation there or call 877-526-2151. We come back to have more scriptures. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, September 24th. And we are coming to the end of the month of September. Um, a lot of great feast days coming up, especially on the 29th of September. We have the Feast of the Archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Um, there'll be a special Michael Mass mass here at the chapel in the evening, I believe it's 7 p.m. on that um, the 29th. So you're welcome to come. Thank you for all of our listeners. Thank you for all of those who support us. Thank you for all the radio stations that pick us up. And I know that at times on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we say things that are uncomfortable, but it's important. Again, you know, this, even today, scripture alone, I'm not trying to denigrate or put down our brothers and sisters in Christ who are not in full communion with the Catholic Church. I want to present the truth, what the church has always taught, Remember that what was given to the apostles was a sacred deposit of faith that they were given to safeguard and pass on to every generation. And this is what Paul is pointing out. And not everything was passed on in writing. Much of it was passed on by word of mouth and in the sacramental system. And yes, the sacramental system was passed on. It came from Jesus and was passed on by the apostles. And that's, you know, Paul says that. He says, remember the gift you received when I laid my hands on you, he tells Timothy. So we had this passing on 
of certain things through the sacramental system. But everything wasn't written down. In, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2, it says, I command you because you remember me and everything and maintain the traditions even as I have delivered them to you. So Paul is referring to the traditions, um, the beliefs and practices of Christianity stemming from Christ. By extension, it refers to the gospel as it was delivered to the early church in person or in writing by the inspired apostles. And by the way, it wasn't written down immediately. The apostles preached the gospel. And yes, it was written down before they died. There's very strong evidence that all four of the gospels were written before the fall of Jerusalem. Internal strong evidence from the gospels themselves that all four of the gospels were written before the fall of Jerusalem. But nonetheless, it was first preached. It wasn't first the the concern to go around and write it down. First, they preached the gospel, okay? And then it was written down. So it was passed on by word of mouth first. And Paul tells, you know, we've already gone over some of those verses where Paul talks about to hold fast to the traditions that I've given you, whether by word of mouth or in writing, all right? So it was delivered to the early church in person or in writing by the inspired apostles, And so because it comes from God, that's what gives it authority. The Catholic Church is not just a denomination. The Catholic (laughs) Church was founded by Jesus Christ, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, who became man. And again, as Terry mentioned earlier, scriptures. Where do we get the scriptures? Who gave us the canon of scriptures? Mm. The Jews didn't give us a canon of scriptures. No, not the the Jewish, at, at the time of Christ, the Jewish authorities didn't have a an agreement as to what was the canon of scriptures. It was the Catholic Church and the bishops of the Catholic Church in the late, what would you call it, the 300, 393 Council of Hippo and Carthage, 397 AD. And I always get that to be the late 4th century, right? Late 4th century. Late 4th century, who gave us the canon of scripture. And it wasn't the Council of Trent who gave us the canon of scripture. (laughs) The Council of Trent set it in stone. I'll call it codified. Codified codified it. And they codified it because... Certain Protestant reformers were rejecting. They challenged it. They were rejecting certain books, yeah. not only of the Old Testament, but of the New Testament. Well, yes, especially Martin Luther. There were books he didn't like. Because they, they didn't support his narrative. to support his doctrine. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not looking for the doctrine of men. We're looking for the doctrine Amen. of Christ. And again, that has to be our worldview. So we want to look to Christ and ask him, what is it that you want us to? to believe. And it, yes, it's in his word and read it again, you know, love your neighbor and follow Christ. What was mm-hmm. the gospel today? Are we willing to follow Christ to the cross or are we going to hide in fear? Are we going to be afraid and hide from the world and think, well, maybe they just won't notice me, you know? And, and sometimes there's a, you know, sometimes there's a time and a place to hide, you know, a beautiful story, Cardinal Manzeni, mm-hmm. who actually lived his martyrdom for years. He was the, the, um, primate, of primate of, of Hungary. Hungary. And when he was in seminary, the communists were taking over Eastern (laughs) Europe. And the seminarians were all talking about how brave they would be when the communists came. And Joseph Menzenzi said, I'm going to run and hide. And you know what? When the communists came, he ran and hid. That's what he did. He ran and hid. But you know what? The only one who stood against the communists publicly and was persecuted for it, put in prison and then under house arrest and then exiled from Hungary was Joseph Menzenzi. Yes. So there's a time to hide. Don't just throw yourself out there and say, I'm a Christian, come and get me. But don't be afraid to witness to your faith. I think there's another fun story about Cardinal Joseph Menzenti. He was in the American embassy for a pot way, but he was in prison. 
And to try and demoralize through scandal the rest of the Catholics in his country, on Friday, they wanted him to eat a big steak. You know, they barely would give him enough food they're to eat. They're starving him all week. Yeah, they're right? starving him. They're starving him. So now they're going to tease him and take pictures of him eating a steak on a Friday so that he can demoralize. The communists want to demoralize the Christians. And Menzeni says, no thanks. I'll go hungry. I won't eat anything today. That guy was tough. And again, uh, he is a model for us because he really uh, lived the faith under persecution. And I want to just say the church in 2,000 years has had persecutions before, and they're going to come again. And in one sense right now, we have a soft persecution because uh, being a Catholic and Actually, living the Catholic faith, a biblical worldview, you're going to be persecuted by our government, the Biden administration, and uh, even some people in the church who have compromised, you're going to be persecuted. So get with it. There's an old saying. There's never been a saint that hasn't been persecuted by the church, <laughs> like Padre Pio. Also, there's, there are no saints who don't have a past, and there are no sinners who don't have a future. Amen. We're all called to sanctity. Oh, yeah. And that's what Jesus came. He came to call. He called us. He calls us to live a life in union with him mm. and of trust. Trust. And this is the scriptures are his word. Amen. I'm not that Catholics are not saying they're unimportant. Believe me, if you go to mass every day, that's what we read, the scriptures. Holy Mass, you read the scriptures. We study the scriptures. When you pray the rosary, we're meditating on the scriptures. Mm. The scripture is God's holy word. Okay. And, and the, the, the original texts are inerrant, and they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit is the author, the primary author. Not that he didn't use human authors. Not that those human authors didn't use their own gifts and talents. It wasn't channeling. We're not into channeling in the Catholic Church. No, they really wrote as true authors, but they wrote what the Holy Spirit inspired them to write. That's right. Okay, because this is God's holy word. The church is his church. He founded one church. Jesus Christ founded one church, the Roman Catholic Church. And granted, you know, the biggest scandal in the world are Catholics who don't live their faith. I'm, I will grant you that. But as Scott Hahn said, the biggest secret in the Catholic Church are the saints. Mm. Because Protestants look at the Catholic Church and say, well, by your fruits you will know them. All my Catholic friends are the biggest drinkers and the biggest womanizers and the mm. biggest, you know, now abortion supporters or whatever, yeah. you know, supporting all the sin and, and horrors in society. And whereas, well, well, who are the ones who lived the Catholic faith? The saints. Read the lives of the saints. Read what they suffered. Mm -hmm. And yes, they suffered at the hands of the church, and they suffered at other, the hands of other people in the church, but they didn't give up Jesus. Remember, the 12 apostles, the 11 apostles, excuse me, could have said on Good Friday, well, Jesus, you let Judas do this. You let him betray you. You knew he was going to do this. You warned us. You warned us that this is what you were warning us about, and he did it, and you let him do it. Forget it. I'm done with you. I'm out of here. But they didn't. Now, they were still afraid. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and filled them with the fullness of the Holy Spirit and perfected love within them. Perfect love drives out fear, not perfect faith. We need faith, but remember the devil has faith and he trembles. We need faith that is animated by charity. We are saved by grace through faith, working in love. Oh, that's another topic. Wait a minute. Get back to the Bible alone here. Hey, just a quick note, what you're <laughs> saying, there's a Cardinal, uh, Walter Blattenmuller, and Germany, and he's just saying the same thing. He says, stop preaching PC Christianity light. There you go. He says, the church leaders, we're leaders in the sense that we're leading a Bible study, 
our, our priests, our bishops, everybody, you know, leaders, said we must teach the true faith, even if it means risking execution by the media. So even if people are calling yeah. us against us because we're speaking the truth, see, we have to stand alone right now. Yeah. Really, we do. Because the world, the devil, and the flesh are out to get us. Right, because they hate God. Remember, the world is that element in the world that is turned away from God. That's right. Our own flesh, is we've fallen. We don't have integrity. Integrity was a gift above and beyond our nature. And so we don't have that. So we need to struggle to bring our bodies into conformity mm, with the truth of God. Amen. And the devil, of course, is outright wanting, you know, he doesn't want anybody to love God. <laughs> okay. So we want to look at the scriptures and know the scriptures are vitally important. This is God's holy word. It's his love letter to his children that he signed with his blood. But we're, we cannot understand the scriptures fully without the help of the church. Okay. You need someone to teach you, Paul says in Hebrews. And in, in Peter's letter, Peter talks about many people reading the letters of St. Paul to their own detriment because they're not reading them correctly. And without, without the proper interpretation, they're, they're, they're following things in Paul's letter that aren't what Paul intended. So you, you need um, really that Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, where he talks about this, you know, people read Paul. Yeah, you must understand that no prophet, that, that was no prophecy arises except, you know, but he also, he also talks in here, and I, I don't have it written down here. I thought I had it written down. But he talks about the fact that, oh, well, maybe it was, oh, here it is. Yeah, it's in, it's in 2 Peter 3, verses 14 and following, where he says, um, so, beloved, our, so our beloved Paul wrote to you according to wisdom given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters. There are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. We need a guide. Amen. And the guide was given to us by Jesus Christ. It was his church. And that's what we want to understand. And it's, it's his church that guides us. Now, remember that the church is infallible in faith, matters of faith and moral. When there, and there are, that's a, another topic. But the reality is, is, is the church is still made up of individual people. And individual people in the church can teach us things that are not according to what the, the gospel teaches. So not even a pope can change what the church has always taught. So if you have a pope who is teaching you things or seems to be teaching things that are in opposition to what the church has been always teaching, then that pope isn't teaching us correctly. And St. John Eude said that means that we are being punished by God because we haven't been faithful. I guess we need to repent. Amen. And I hope you enjoy this approach right now with a world biblical view. Tell your friends about the Bible with the Barbers. And uh, tell them about uh, Bishop Strickland now. We're going crazy. People are finding out about the, one of the strongest bishops in America. His once a week show on Tuesdays here on Virgin Most Powerful. If you haven't had a chance to listen to him, please do. Because he's telling it like it is. He's speaking like this Cardinal Mueller. But we thank you and may God richly bless you and your family.